everybody. Discover Las Vegas, episode one, being produced right here from Becker Tech, the Ernest and Betty Becker Family Recreation Center and Technology Park, the newest parks and rec facility, the first tech center that the city of Las Vegas has. Definitely iconic and innovative, just like the city of Las Vegas. And I am, um, I'm super excited to be here. So this is a brand new podcast for the city of Las Vegas, where we're going to go ahead and celebrate all of the wonderful things that the Department of Parks, Recreation, Cultural Affairs brings to the table. And we are also going to be taking you on a journey as we bring Becker Tech online. Today, I am joined by my co-host, Jasmine Barrett, Recreation Leader with the City of Las Vegas, Philip Payne, Recreation Leader with the City of Las Vegas, and myself, Priscilla Scott, Recreation Coordinator for the City of Las Vegas. So we're super excited to get to share our journey with all of you here today, listening out there in cyber world. So um, yeah, so a little bit about us. Becker Tech is, like I said, the brand new technology center that the city of Las Vegas has just opened. Uh, We opened not that long ago, April 1st, 2023. We have a very unique model. We are in a community-based model where we offer recreational opportunities with uh, the technology world. So we offer robotics, 3D printing. We have a full esports component. We also have video production, audio production, and a podcast studio, which is where we are today. So lots of really cool things coming to the city of Las Vegas, and I'd like to take a moment to introduce my team. So I'm going to start with Jasmine Barrett, recreation leader. So tell us about yourself, Jasmine. Hi, my name is Jasmine. Uh, I was born and raised here in Las Vegas. Um... My background, uh, I graduated with a degree in anthropology from UNLV. Um, That's where I worked in my first makerspace. So I helped them open the one in the library. Um, I helped them open their second one, Blackfire Innovation. Um, That's in conjunction with Caesars Entertainment. Um, After that, I worked for the Discovery Children's Museum running their makerspace. And now I work here running our makerspace. Awesome. Thank you. We are glad to have you and all of your very many talents. So, Phil, how about you tell us about yourself? So, my name is Philip Payne, also born and raised here in Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, Grew up actually in this community, went to Gibson uh, Middle School and then Western High School, which is up the street. And it's crazy to even see Western kids in the building because some of the teachers are still there. Um, Graduated from UNLV. Got the opportunity to play football there, full ride scholarship. Um, after I left UNLV, got the opportunity to play professional for a little bit. Uh, once I got done playing ball, came back to Vegas, taught in the district for a little bit. Um, I've always worked with the city in certain hourly roles, and then I finally got to move into a full-time position here about seven months ago, and here we are. <laughs> So uh, I'm glad that you talked about your previous roles because I think the the most, you said this to me in private, but I'm going to bring it up here, that you've always had the most fun specifically working with me. Oh, yeah, for sure. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Um, Yeah, this is, what, my third time 
working under you uh, with the city of Las Vegas. Um, one as a kids camp counselor back when I was shh, wee high. <laughs> um, I am 6'5", so being wee high is probably still about five. I still looked up to you then. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I over at Brindley during VSA. I mean, not Brindley, excuse me. Um, Gar uh, Mirabelli. Mirabelli during VSA, during VSA, which was the during the COVID times. Yep. And then right back at it. Yeah. So. So in addition to us going way back, I'm a Parks and Rec kid. So I started in this department when I was ten, um, bossing people all over the world. Just kidding. <laughs> I, at the time, was a participant, and uh, some of the recreation staff that is still in our department was actually, uh, some of the supervisors were field staff back then, and they will tell you I was bossy and overpowering when I was 10 years old, and so they made me a CIT really early. You actually have to be 15 to be a CIT now. <laughs> and I was within our youth program, started my first job, uh, Started in flag football and adult basketball and then came up through youth sports. And I am like a parks and rec brat. I just kind of moved up along the ranks throughout the years and got involved with our state and our national associations as well. So I love parks and rec. I love what we do. I love what we do for our communities and the kids that come in here. So, um, yeah, I just love our department and I consider myself a byproduct of it so that's been pretty cool I want to kind of talk a little bit about the kids that are kind of like us where they kind of grew up in the programs so Phil you're currently overseeing not just but also overseeing our mentorship program so can you tell us a little bit about that program yeah, so we started a mentorship program that was originally catered to the Brindley Middle School kids um, after talking to the assistant principal over there. Um, but we welcomed everybody in the community. Like I said earlier, there's a couple Western kids that are here. Um, the ages are 11 to 17. Uh, we do a lot of workforce development stuff. They get the opportunity to participate in all of the programs that we offer from the DJing um, to the esports stuff, to the music production stuff as well. Um, but the program overall is just like a big brother, big sister type of thing where um, we literally get to give them the information that I wish I was given when I was a youth as well. So it's, it's really cool for me because, you know, especially growing up in this community, I say it all the time, um, I did get the opportunity to play at a high level, but if um, I got, you know, a mentor, had a mentor at, while I was a kid that brought me in, like the coaches, the UNLV staff that I had my first couple years, um, I would have probably been still playing to this day. So it's cool to be able to give them the knowledge that I didn't have as a youth. So far, what has been one of the most impactful experiences that you've had with the mentorship kids? Oh, most impactful for sure is just um, being able to have those one-on-one -on -one conversations with them for sure. Because like I said, I was, I see myself in them. Like literally running the same streets, playing in the same parks, essentially having the same, the same group of friends. 
um, that they have, or at least the ones that I was with that you would see me with every day. So it's just cool to be able to have those conversations with them and really, and you and really have them see themselves in me as as I see myself in them. So it's. Do you have a favorite participant? <laughs> I wouldn't say that I have a favorite participant, but the most memorable one for sure as the moment is actually a kid that's probably too young to be in our mentorship program, but he is a brother of another participant. So we allowed him to participate and he's probably, he's our president. <laughs> so it's, it's, he goes by Biscuit and he probably will be a future president because that kid has the heart of a 14, 15, 16 year old at the age of 10. And it's, it's just, it's just really, really cool to see. It is really cool. I remember the first day that I realized he was much younger just because the way he carries himself and his maturity and like he's witty, like we all absolutely love him. But um, while I'm learning all the kids, I usually have them give me their name and their grade so that I start to commit it to my long-term memory. And when they come in the building, I tell the kids all the time, like, greet people by their name, and we will do the same. So when he went around the table and he was like, oh, yeah, I'm in fourth grade, I was like, wait, what? How did you get in the room? Because <laughs> that's not our – and I never knew. Like, he is so respectful, so mature, so polite. So it's, it's really cool. And that also reminds me – so I was at a national conference – and one of the speakers was talking about that the entry into the career of Parks and Recreation actually comes from being a participant in our programs. And that's how you really foster like a true sense of whether somebody is going to be a good Parks and Rec professional. So not Biscuit because he's going to be president, but, you know, it'll be kind of cool to see what kids from our mentorship program end up sitting on this side of the table and actually programming and running some of these rec centers down the road. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's it's crazy because that's my story. So essentially, you know, I grew up at that at Doolittle as well as West when they were a remote site for the city of Las Vegas, and it's just crazy to be on the other side of the table where um, I'm actually working in the facility with these youths or these participants within the community when. I was a kid um, going and participating in all these programs, not knowing exactly who these specific people were that were running the programs there, but knowing that they had a big part in, in raising me, essentially. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, just being growing up as in, in the city of Las Vegas sports programs, that kind of honed in my skills as an athlete in regards to basketball, football, et cetera, et cetera. And it's, it's even more insane to see is – me moving on into that full-time role and still seeing people that really raised me still working for the city. Yeah. So shout out to Devontae Manor and Camille Franklin. <laughs> I really appreciate y'all for sure. But it's cool to be able to be them in the essence yeah. now. <laughs> so. Someone will be talking about you like that one day. So. Right, right. Congratulations on that. Indeed. So, I mean... We all know about me. Let's hear about Miss Priscilla, the one that made all of this happen. So um, a lot of the questions that I get in regards to opening up a state-of-the-art technolo technology center 
here um, is that one, how much does all the equipment cost? <laughs> and two, how does how does a vision like this go from a vision to being put and implemented? So I can't take credit for the vision. So initially this was a pocket park. It was formerly known as the Charleston Heights Neighborhood Preservation Park. And um, it was run down and it was on the list for the city's capital improvements to be uh, renovated. And some of our community leaders, elected officials, uh, law enforcement, all kind of came together and they were like, renovating the park is not enough. We recognize that there was a gap in parks and rec programming, a gap in services and opportunities for the kids that were in this neighborhood. So they were like, you got to do better. And so some of our leaders came together and decided that because the city does take pride in being iconic and innovative, that this would be a great spot to embrace the digital age and to put a technology center here. So that was like late 2018, 2019, and um, in 2020, the pandemic hit. So the project was shelved, and we saw a lot of transition at that time, Some several people retiring and transitions in leadership. So um, when our director came to me last year in March and said I was being reassigned to take over as the lead for the interdepartmental team that was going to implement this facility, I said, we don't have a tech center. <laughs> and he brought up, well, we don't, but there's one under construction. And, you know, then I started to really get involved and started to do a lot of research on the topic. And we had a lot of great, like, community support. Uh, the library district hosted us and had us learn some of the technology elements that they had with their teen tech labs. Um, and then the museum hosted us as well, taught us all about 3D printing. It's actually how we met Jasmine. Thank you, uh, Discovery Children's Museum. And um, yeah, we just continued to grow. And every time we were hitting a new milestone or learning something new that was coming into the picture, our management was so supportive of embracing it and kind of letting us navigate and pioneer the way. So it was really cool experience to get to start something new and to be involved in something that's so different than what our previous models have been. So it's been great. Um, and learning all of the different technology aspects that we have have been great for me. I say this to you guys all the time, but I'm going to say it on the airwaves. I consider myself to be talent management I feel that I have an extremely talented staff and I just trust that you guys all are great at what you do and I just remove barriers and connect you guys with the resources that you need to implement a lot of this iconic programming. So Jasmine, my question for you now is of all of the activity and technology that we have, what do you think makes us the most iconic and innovative in comparison to some of the other spaces you've worked in before? Um, I think definitely our esports programming makes us pretty innovative um, because when people think of esports, it's like, oh, everyone's just playing video games. Um, but like, especially for our summer camps, it's not just about playing video games, it's about 
like who's making the games and how are they making the games and who's designing that and who's coding that. Um, so I think that it's really great that we get to be that like third space where people get to learn, but not necessarily know they're learning. <laughs> uh, like everything is just fun here. So what is your favorite of the things that we do? Ooh, um, I would say anything with the community. So we haven't had many like big community events, um, but I think those are probably the most fun just because that's when we get to like talk to people the most and like build relationships the most. Uh, so I really enjoy doing that. I know Phil loves my taglines, but that's how we <laughs> build community to make life better. <laughs> if y'all don't know Priscilla, y'all will know she is Mrs. Slogan. For sure. <laughs> don't be jealous. <laughs> Definitely, it's great to have me in your back pocket. Oh, for sure. I w Sometimes I wish I was as witty. <laughs> and then at other times, I'd be like, oh, Priscilla got this. <laughs> <So> <laughs> what did you say about me earlier? I can talk anybody under the table. Oh, for sure. So anytime that I don't need or anytime that I want to pass off a conversation or I need to direct it. Oh, here you go, Priscilla. <laughs> have fun. Have you met Priscilla? <laughs> exactly. So back to you, Jasmine. What do you think is a piece of technology that um, you see the most growth for yourself in? Uh, definitely all of our, uh, music stuff. So like the DJing, um, even just like the basic keyboard that we have, uh, I've always wanted to learn how to play music. So I feel like this is a good opportunity. <laughs> yeah. You can play with DJ Phil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so fun fact about us here in this environment is, uh, so we have a full production studio. We teach DJing classes. Um, and then part of our mentorship program, we actually have one of our officers, shout out to DJ Cool Q, uh, who comes in and works with the mentorship kids, teaching them how to DJ. But watch out, Phil's coming up on you because he's learning how to <laughs> DJ. And there are times where if he can't focus and I know he's got a lot of work on his plate and I can't find him. I can usually venture down the hall and he's in the studio like ha has set up his entire workspace and is just blasting music down here. So sometimes I just take my 15 and come in here so it's, it's <laughs> a little bit of everything. But I've just always naturally gravitated towards music. So, you know, before games, you're listening to music. Study hall, you're listening to music. So I've just always had that love for music for sure. In addition to your love for music, what is the biggest impact that you make to our team? Ooh, biggest impact? Mm -hmm. um, I would probably say my ability to ooh, feel or be, um, geez, that's hard. That's a hard one. Um, I believe the biggest impact that I have is probably my ability to be relatable for sure to the kids within this community. So the mentorship is probably the biggest program right now, at least at this point in time. And my ability to be able to be seen as one of them and be relatable makes my makes the message easier to translate to them. So in regards to showing them some of the workforce development or um, essentially being that big brother to the participants in our programs is 
half the step is, you know what I'm saying, being relatable to the kids. So as a, even as a coach, I say this all the time, that if once a kid really feels like you're really down for them, they'll run through a wall for you. Mm-hmm. So And just being able to break that barrier is almost 75% of even just trying to illustrate what you're trying to illustrate to the kids. So um, I feel like my biggest probably compliment to this great team is me being able to relate to the people within this community and be able to deliver that message to them. I would agree, especially because that, you know, it takes a village to raise a child. It is definitely not easy. And parents, whether they know us or not know us, they're obviously trusting us with their kids. Like their kids are here a lot and they're coming in all day long. They're comfortable with us. So being able to have a safe space, to have a sounding board, to have somebody that they can talk to and that they can relate to that's going to guide them in the right way, um, that's really cool. Like I've seen the way you interact with the community and the kids. Uh, The other day, Phil had them all providing like where they're currently at with their grades and what they needed to do. And he's like, oh, yeah, we're not playing games today. We are studying. This is study hall. This was a few weeks before school had gotten out. So it was really cool that they didn't fight him. They just all pulled out their books and were like, okay, I guess we're doing study hall today, coach. And that was really cool to watch. The food helps. The food helps. (laughs) (laughs) Feed them and they will come. Um, And then Jasmine, it's really cool because you have a whole following with the girls that are in the community (laughs) because most of the time they don't want to go in when it's all just the boys. Yeah. Um, And technology with females is always a little bit harder to push because it is a heavily male-dominated industry as a whole. So what do you think some of the benefits for the young ladies in the community that you've seen so far? Um, Well, I know with myself, like, all the experience that I have with, like, 3D printing and all this makerspace stuff, I literally learned just hands-on. So, like, I've never taken a class on it. I never had anybody, like, showing me, like, oh, this is how you do this. This is how you do this. It's just, like, trial and error, pretty much. So I like that I can not only answer, like, the basic you know, oh, I have a crush on this person, like those kind of silly little questions, but also like, oh, I don't understand this, or like, why am I doing this at school, or like different life questions. Um, So I think that's really helpful, having someone that like kind of works in the field that's going to be of the future. um, I think that's really beneficial for them. I think it's also cool not to say that the boys aren't doing a good job, but... Um, I have seen that when the girls come in to do an activity that the boys have already done, they usually catch on like super quick. Um, Like podcasting, they love coming in here and experimenting with the equipment. Wait, 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 wait. We're not just going to talk about my men like that. (laughs) I didn't say they did a poor job. I just said that the ladies tend to pick it up a little. When they do, generally when... uh, uh, DJ is here on Wednesdays. The it's usually the boys that are in here. Well, this last week we threw the girls in there and they're like balancing echoes and changing out bass and they were like rocking it. It was really really cool to watch them and see them like really get into it. 
Um, Because sometimes you wonder, like, are we hitting the mark? Is there something that would do we would do better with? And so to see the kids like doing really, really well. I say kids, and if they heard us, they'd probably be like, I'm not a kid. (laughs) (laughs) Young ladies and young men in our facility. So that's really cool. Um, Okay, so closing thought. So far, for each of you, what has been um, the most fun part about getting to be involved in this brand new project? You want to start? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I remember like the first actual work meeting that I went to. uh, We sat down and one of the guys who was running it went around and asked everyone their favorite video game. And I was like, there's no way that I'm at work right now. Like, there's no possible way that I'm getting paid at work right now. <laughs> like, this can't be real. Um, and I still feel that way, like, just coming into work every day and just doing fun things. Yeah. We're the fun people. That's Parks and Rec. <laughs> yeah. Um, for me, it's just crazy that they incorporate drones with soccer. So <laughs> it's like just being able, one, just being able to learn how to build a drone and fly in itself is unique, but then to be able to learn how to build, fly drones and incorporate it into an international game that is played around the world is one of a kind for me for sure. Because I, I, I mean, I want to just fly drones, but then you incorporate the whole uh, drone soccer game portion into it, it's, it's, it's a game changer for sure. So I would probably say drones, drone soccer. Okay. Drone soccer is where I probably struggled the most in training. (laughs) Uh, Definitely a great, absolutely phenomenal program. Um, If you haven't checked it out yet, so it is an international sport. It's an introduction into the aviation industry. Uh, We teach participants how to build the drone, how to code the drone, how to program it, how to fly it. Um, And once they've mastered all that, they actually get to compete five on five. Um, And it's an amazing experience. Um, We did a lot of staff training. Our IT team was involved in that. Our team was involved. Some of our department sports team was involved in that. And I don't think my drone successfully flew in all of the training that we did. Um, But again, that's why I'm talent management, and you guys are all so fabulous at what you do. And I think what I'm most excited about is just to see what's next. Um, I say in our staff meetings all the time when we debrief a lot of our events, what's next? Where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? And the fact that we are literally pioneering the way for the first tech center of the city of Las Vegas and at the same time, we get to celebrate what all of our other parks and rec facilities are doing throughout the city is amazing. It's a great opportunity. I'm glad that I get to do it with the two of you because we definitely do a lot of laughing. Um, I don't know if we laugh together or at each other, depending on the day. (laughs) But (laughs) very excited um, to see where we go from here and for all of us to get to discover Las Vegas together. Thank you all for joining us for our first episode. Catch us for our next episode coming soon and we will see you soon come visit us